Hello, Christchurch, and welcome to this edition of Deeper. And it's a pleasure to have John Sexton here today. Uh, John spoke on Sunday, and I would encourage you to watch it because John was as good as he always is. John, welcome to Deeper. Thank good you. And that's, uh, that's very kind of you. Um, you know, and sometimes I think when you only have a few days to prepare, sometimes it's fresher than when you've got a month to prepare it. Yeah. yeah. But, but, it, but I think it was a bit uncanny because it followed on the verse. Uh, from where you left off the previous Sunday. That's uh, right. And only probably a week or two later in the narrative of, of the Exodus story. Yeah, yeah, possibly. So uh, we're going to uh, have a little bit of a look at this passage. The passage, um, I suggest that you read Exodus 16 verses 1 to 20, uh, all the way through. We actually missed out a little bit in the middle on Sunday, but uh, why not read the whole bit? Because the, the missing bit is interesting. Um so why don't you do that now? If you uh, press pause, read the passage, Exodus 16, 1 to 20, and then restart the video when you've finished. Fantastic. So, John, um, yeah, you said it's probably a week or so after the, the previous story. Uh, I think I read elsewhere that this is perhaps about a month after uh, they left Egypt. So, uh, and, and what do we find? That they're grumbling again, aren't they, John? Yeah, it's um, uh, <laughs> it's in their nature. But I, um, but anyone who's been in any sort of middle management position, or or any uh, any person who is uh, propped in church leadership or in politics, feels they get more grumbling from underneath uh, than uh, uh, than they deserve. But also, the people doing the grumbling often feel that they have perfectly valid points that uh, they just uh, don't know why nobody listens to them all the time as well. That's right. And so they're crossing the desert of sin. Um, and I don't think we're to take that necessarily as sin as in like, you know, sinful lifestyle. Um, this is sin as in a place. Uh, and they're getting hungry. And of course, you know, that, that, that is always going to bring out the worst of people. I don't know about you, John, but I do get hangry. You know, I'm, I, if I'm hungry, I'm angry. And so we can imagine them coming out of Egypt with, with sacks of food, um, but by now, maybe it's, it's running a little bit thin. They've been rationing maybe for a little while. It's getting a little bit harder, uh, and they start the grumbling. And, of course, you, you made a great point in your talk that uh, we see in verse 3 that they kind of selectively remember what life was like in Egypt. Yes. Yeah. And those of the church who are old enough to remember Joseph um, will remember there's a great scene where all the brothers become French for five minutes and remember the good days in Canaan and the fields were gloriously gold and they had everything they wanted. And there may well have been a bit of that, but I think sometimes our memories of things are, are a bit rosy coloured when we want them to be, aren't, aren't they? Absolutely, yeah. And of course, they are forgetting the, the years and years and years of, of hard labour that they'd suffered under the Egyptians. And they could have been fed well. You know, there's no reason why they, they couldn't have been. But they were slaves and they worked hard. And they need to take, I think, a little personal responsibility here as well because they'd cried out to God to be delivered from this and he was delivering them. So uh, they were only actually getting, yeah. he was only actually doing what, what they begged him to do. That's right. And of course, God had a bigger purpose for Israel, didn't he? So even if they hadn't been in slavery, um, and they were fed well. That was still not God's purpose for them. They were to be a nation on their own. They were to be a people who had their own land, that, that were free. That was God's purpose. 
Uh, and God was simply calling them back to the purpose that he had given them back with Abraham. That's right, because everybody, and this message of all Christian social teaching, isn't it, that everyone, uh, we can't just say that people are a different country or a different nationality or a different different to ourselves in some way everyone has a right to a certain level of dignity um under god's domin- under god's dominion uh, and justice uh, but also there's something else going on here as well it's not just god's purpose to deliver the israelites um i think some of the reasons he's so tough with them is is that that view is a little narrow it's also part of a story that will take two thousand years to come to fruition mm-hmm. of delivering salvation for the whole world by taking a people and making himself known to them and gradually putting layer of layer of revelation of himself on them until ultimately Jesus comes Absolutely. and that they are they are pivotal to that whole story yeah they are and then uh, so we God hears their cry and in verse four we see uh, God respond to that uh, Lord says to Moses I will rain down bread from heaven uh, and and that's a lovely little phrase isn't it because it um, usually in the Bible that idea of rain uh, uh, implies abundance uh-huh. And of course, that's what they seem to have here, that, you know, they, they would have an abundance of bread. Uh, and he even um, even instructs them to have a day of rest. I mean, this is God that is most gracious, isn't it? Here are the people of Israel moaning and grumbling, and he decides to, to simply give them bread, not for them to work for it, but to give it to them. And on top of that, factors in the Sabbath yeah. and the day of rest, which I think is gloriously gracious. It is because we need we need we all need a break from time to time from them and they have they have a long time ahead of them yeah. actions. Um, I think if you're doing uh, long distance footpaths, I did a lot of that when I was younger. Uh, when we're in a group or when you're on your own, every, every four or five or six days or once a week, you just have a day when you're not walking because mm. uh, that will recharge you for the following week. That's right. And then in this verse, there's a, a little line where. Um, uh, God says, that in this way, I will test them and see whether they will follow my instructions. And I love the way you described that, that, that phrase, test, on Sunday. Do you want to just expand on that a little bit more? All right. Well, um, when I was teaching um, in the university, we the two sorts of assessment in academic theory. One is summative, which is uh, pass or fail, and that's the end of it. Although, actually, these days you get two weeks at a time as well. But generally, it's summative. And there's the sort that um, they do in all those classic movies like uh, Dirty Dancing or what's the one with the little boy who has to learn Kung Fu? Um, oh, Karate Kid. Yes, yes. But each test or or even if you're a Jedi, you're eventually ready to be sent out when you can defeat your master or, yeah. or all those all those Robin Hood films, you know. Uh, so it's like that sort of test. You are you pick yourself up until one day they say, right. You're, you're ready you're ready to move on you 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 know you've learned something here uh, yeah. and each each time you learn something it's formative and also the feedback is as much looking back on why it went well or, or went wrong is important as well you know how can i how can i reflect and imp- improve my performance next time yeah exactly um, and of course the israelites are, go on. i was gonna say the israelites are not very good at reflecting this this sort of little story comes up again and again throughout throughout the Exodus story and again throughout their whole history and props they are an example of ourselves as well and um, they're not terribly good at, if they learn from their mistakes they're not very good at keeping that memory in mind for very long not at all yeah I, I was once in a, in a cell group 20 years ago and the poor lady's probably dead now but she she was very inspiring she, she I remember her saying at one point she hesitates to pray for dependence and tr- on God and trust in God because every time she does something terrible happens in her life. <laughs> oh, right, yeah. um, but it but it is true those people have, who've reached 
uh, a ripe old age and are strong in their faith have gone through a lot and and looking back on it can remember that God sustained them through it and that the one thing they didn't forget at any any time was that God didn't bring them out into this time or into the desert for the Israelites to die did he brought them out to take them through it exactly yeah and um you know, in, in some ways, that's the accusation of the people of Israel to Moses, isn't it? Uh, we see that in verse three. They kind of accuse Moses, you know, like, you brought us out here simply to starve to death. And um, yeah, Well, again, it's this taking responsibility thing, isn't it? Yeah. Because um, as Rob said last week, they could have gone the short way across the top is, it's perhaps a third the distance and mm. in spite of the sea the whole time. And um, But of course, it would have taken them through some very fierce tribes um, and, and nations. Uh, so, so again, it's you have to you have to take some responsibility for the consequences of, of your decisions. What did interest me though is when the whole community grumble and grumbling or communal anger is very contagious. It brings out the worst. How many people it would have taken within within that crowd of Israelites just to say, well, hold on, don't you remember all the things that God's done for us? And I don't think it would have taken many. Jesus talks about Christians being the salt of the earth or the leaven in the bread. Uh, just just to convince a few people around them just to calm down but it's very hard when you're when your children are screaming for food isn't it it is it is and then we get into verses uh five to ten which uh, we we missed out on sunday uh but this is a whole passage about uh the people grumbling um what, what do you see in that little passage there john um well it was interesting that moses and aaron uh, said that you need to remember when you're grumbling against us you're actually grumbling against god yeah. Um, and I suppose that's that's a that's a perfectly reasonable observation for Moses to make, given that they know and he knows that every step they've done has been at God's instruction. Uh, but sometimes it's easy to take it out our frustrations out on the people nearest to us. So uh, workers do it to middle managers, um, church members do it to church leaders, um, the public do it to their politicians. Uh, in in a way, none of which is none of which is helpful, rather than just. Uh, when, but that's not to be confused with legitimate grievances. Uh, there's, a, there's a time for speaking out, but, but there's also a time for recognising that, uh, well, I suppose the question is, what's God's will? That, it all comes back to that. What's God's will? What When yeah. you're, you're speaking out should be determined not by your own pain or disgruntlement, but by God's heart. And that that's perhaps a harder call to make. It is. And, and probably in the end, uh, when we're going through difficult times, um, sometimes our need for comfort overrides our need to follow the will of God. And that's when grumbling starts to come in. When we can keep the bigger picture, like Moses had to, uh, where we can see that this is more about more than simply my short-term lack of pain, difficulty, or struggle, then we, we can kind of work through it a lot better if we see the bigger picture. Unfortunately, the Israelites didn't. Uh, but I'm also conscious, and, and you as a vicar uh, sees it much more intimately with so many more people, that everyone goes through times in their life when desperately sad or wicked things have happened to them, mm. and they're left crying out, why? You know, where, where are you, God, in, in this time? And then we move on to uh, verses 11 onwards. Um, and so uh, God promises not just bread, but meat, which is fantastic, isn't it? Uh, and we, we see just God's incredible provision here, don't we? I mean, they are they are well fed on this journey. <laughs> Bread in the morning, <laughs> uh, quail of a of a night. Um, it's, it's, they, are, they are well looked after. Unless you didn't like quail, of course. Unless you didn't like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which is a strange thing, is yeah. 
But uh, I mean, and quail, of course, was um, a, a delicacy in Egypt, you know, which is he, he, he's feeding them not just enough food or, you know, average food. He's giving them good food to eat. Well, we, we believe in a father God who is generous. Jesus talked about a father who, if your son says, can I have some bread, you wouldn't give him a stone, would you? Or yeah. a fish, you wouldn't give him a snake. So he wants, he wants to meet their needs. Um, although, unfortunately, it will be um, it will be in everyone's heart to eventually become disgruntled with whatever they have, whether it's a lot or a little. Uh, and, and sometimes in life it seems that those who have more become disgruntled more quickly than those who have less. Yeah, um, I think so. There is a bit later on in Numbers where they get bored of manner, isn't there, as well? They do, yeah, and because they were eating it for quite a while. <laughs> um, but verse 31 says it tastes like um, wafers made with honey. The so idea it was sweet and delicious, wasn't yeah. it? Yes. Yeah, it sounds nice to me. <laughs> yeah. uh, and so, and they're given then in, in verses 17 to 18 instruction on how much to collect. Um, and it's described as an omer in the NIV. Um, when I kind of researched this, no one's entirely sure what an omer is, but it's perhaps around uh, about two litres worth of, of manna. Um, and there's a strange thing, isn't it, about um, not collecting too little or too much. It feels, like, it feels like when I'm reading that, there's another miracle going on, that no matter how much people collected, uh-huh. it was neither too much or too little, which is a f- fantastic thing, isn't it? Uh-huh. And then verse 19 and 20, um, there's this little interesting thing where some people kept it over. What do you make of that, John? <laughs> well, there's a temptation in all of us to, um, um, as I say, when you, whatever you have, you want more, don't you? And, and I wanted to see, my first thought was, say this was a Wednesday, did they want to have the Thursday in bed and not have to go out and, 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 uh, yeah. and, and collect the, and collect the manor? Uh, but I'm not sure. I think it was... Um, I think just they were uncertain that there would be enough for the next day. They just wanted to have a bit put by. Uh, and um, uh, in fact, uh, you mentioned last week you came to faith at Spring Harvest uh, when you were in your early 20s. I was, strange enough, I came to faith as well at Spring Harvest uh, in my um, early 30s. So I was, I was a bit older than you. Uh, but um, it was after a period in my life when there'd been something I'd really wanted and it didn't work out. Uh, and, um, and, 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 uh, and yet this was a time in which... Um, while I was in great confusion uh, and I'd been a, a nominal a church-going Christian, uh, God was teaching me all the time about this. And then finally, um, in the weeks leading up to Easter, this, this sort of reading was very, uh, very, um, it's very popular, Exodus, isn't it? Mm. And the thing that, um, uh, as I say, goes back to this lady in the celebrate, the thing she said was, you know, if we try and take more from God uh, than is our due, and we all try and do it, if we want more out of life than is our due, um, uh, if, if it's not what God wants for us, then it will go. It will go rotten on it. I mean, Jesus himself says, "Store up for yourself in heaven, where it doesn't decay and doesn't doesn't yeah. go off." Yeah, um, exactly. that, none of that is an argument about anyone who is desperately in need. There's, there's a need for justice, mm. but, but when it's when it's clearly beyond God's purpose, when it's something we want, rather than what God wants for us, then you need to be very careful. And then, of course, there's this lesson going on as well. They have many tests along the way. There's yeah. the whole story of, of, of the Ten Commandments of various enemies they face them and then finally the big decision when they get to the promised land about whether it's to invade or not and they need to learn a lot of trust which they are nowhere near making if their trust was deeper they would go more than a week or two before they forgot everything that happened mm, that's right and it seems to me that um, there's a kind of practical thing as well about god providing a very set amount of food an omer of manna 
and a quail, or perhaps maybe more than one quail, um, per person. Um, to, to, to do that walk uh, across rugged terrain, probably carrying things, looking after kids and elderly people, that would have taken a lot of calories. You know, and for, for them to survive and get to the promised land ready to enter into the promised land and fight, they, they needed to be well fed. Well, they, they needed to be in, in the, the fighting men at least needed to be in peak physical condition. And the children need to be well fed enough not to grow up small and malnourished, but to be the next generation of fighting exactly. men, didn't they? Um, so, uh, so yes, so they certainly, they had, when it says they had enough for their need, it's, it's not a miserly need. It's they had enough for what they really needed to stay healthy. Exactly. Uh, and yeah. what it was, was delicious as well. Uh, so they didn't have an awful lot to complain about. Um, no, exactly. So should we move on to um, just thinking about what all this means for us? So we're going to spend a few moments just thinking about some of the application of this uh, and go a little bit wider. Let's think a little bit about some of the application points, John. You um, talked on Sunday about three particular points. Uh, do you want to just touch on them again? Where do you want to start with that? Okay, well, the, the, since the end of the story was about being people who trust in God's purposes, trusting him enough to let him, uh, to let him guide them to be part of his plans, uh, it starts with uh, not falling away from that trust. And so we need to remember, uh, based in, in all science, it's built on empirical experience, isn't it, of what's gone before. Yeah. How do we remember uh, all that God's done for us? What should we be remembering in our lives, what God's done for us? Mm. Uh, I can only say that um, uh, it starts with, it's closely overlinked to, to thankfulness and gratitude as well. The, these, these things go together. And sometimes a little discipline I follow is uh, when, if you're a bit down or a bit, bit um, feeling not in the right place sometimes just uh, think of 10 things you can thank god for that day um and um that's often once you get to five or six they start pouring out and they might have even small things that other people might not have had exactly uh, on top of that uh we're christians do we remember uh the most important thing we should be thanking for of course is that god through the end of his old testament purposes brought jesus uh into the world and made him known to us and on top of that have made him known to us individually in our lives as well. Yeah. I mean, I, I uh, kind of make a point every now and again of just kind of recounting the things that God has done for me, um, both in terms of like the big things, like, you know, uh, the gift of Jesus, the gift of the Holy Spirit, uh, but also in personal things about how God brought me to where I am. Uh -huh. um, it just kind of centers me on what God has done rather than my circumstances, uh, so I make a point of just recounting that. And I'm, I'm someone who has got a terrible memory. So kind of consciously, intentionally just recounting things keeps those things in my memory and helps. It is. And, but if you're really low, I think you have to start at a more basic level. You probably thank God for the last cup of coffee that you were brought and uh, uh, that you had someone to bring it you and that it was, yeah. I, I know you're very into that it's good coffee and that it, uh, that it tasted, and you're, 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 you're drinking it in a warm room you know, uh, lots of people don't have these these things around the world, and um, yeah. um, and so you might have to start at a more basic level. Uh, you're really overwhelmed by the pressures that you're under, and you can't see anything like that. That's right. And yeah, when that when you were talking about that whole kind of them looking back, I mean that is uh, it's one of the huge dangers of church that people look back to a kind of golden era of the church. Um, and my 
kind of when I've looked into some of these things, not just at Christchurch, but in other churches where I've been at, it's never quite as golden as people make out. So in my previous church, there were some of the older people could remember, so they said, uh, the time when the church was full. And it was quite a big size building, a bit like Christchurch, uh, and probably held uh, at a maximum 400 people. So, uh, of course, we have the records in church of Sunday attendances, and you can go back, and it was never full, ever, as far as I can tell. It was never full, but people remember it as being full in the golden time. And we can always look back and think, oh, so much better then. And, and we get stuck, I think, in a certain place. You know, we look back whether it's, oh, the worship was better then, the preaching was better then, or there's more people then, or we had more social life then. And quite often, it's never quite as golden as people make out. Possibly, but just, just thinking there while you were saying that, that everything you've been saying is external, isn't it? It's all the things you see around you. None of it is about where you were then and where you are now and what your what your call to faithfulness and trust is in that place that you're in now. Whether yeah. it's whether it's in slavery in Egypt, but propped reasonably well fed uh, to do the work, is it whether it's suffering the desert or whether it, you feel like you are showered in the promised land style of blessings. Yeah, exactly. I think you know the the golden era often relates to when people felt closest to God. And that's got nothing to do with the preaching, the worship, the social life or whatever. That has all to do with how you are internally in your relationship to God. And, and that's the kind of key thing. And that's the challenge for us to make this time, the time, just the golden era. And that, you know, it's the time where we think this was brilliant because of our relationship with God is so on point it's so on fire that this becomes all-consuming interesting observation so um the it's often as much about how we've developed or not developed spiritually as how the church around us has developed um yeah. uh, because um there's that cliche isn't there on church notice boards you know god seems far away guess who's moved um which uh which i know at times can be appallingly insensitive because you maybe at that time of crisis where mm. very hard to feel God's got you at that particular point in time but but there is an element of truth in it as well isn't there there is and yet the stories of Paul in jail Richard you know, you know I'm very inspired by Richard Wormbrand's books these are books that he might have been the only Christian in that place he might have been away from his family for nearly 10 years at one stage uh, in jail uh, under terrible conditions yet joy pours out of every page because he knows he's exactly and Paul mm. at that exactly yeah and maybe that's something what you know God's teaching the people of Israel here, you know that their relationship with Him is the most important thing, and that's what they need to hold on to, uh, so that regardless of their circumstances, they are thriving in their faith. Uh, so, what other points did you bring out, John, that we just need to touch on? Right. So, uh, the second was about encouragement of others. You know, I said how many people in that crowd yeah, would yeah. have taken uh, to, because we know what we've seen on the television recently. But also here as well, how many people does it take to change the whole mood of a large group of people? People who under any other circumstance, most of them are perfectly decent, caring people. Um, it doesn't take many. And, and, and we are, if we're to be salt on the earth, how many of us does it take yeah. to be out salt? And how important is it for us to remember that? Because uh, otherwise we, we will drag other people down with us, won't we? Mm, exactly. And, you know, it, I think it's, 
you know, one of the things that we will try and do over this over Lent and encouraging people to be thankful is to tell others about what they're thankful for, you know, so yeah. that people are talking about, effectively, they're talking about God's provision. Well, they are because it's only a small step from the church isn't where it was 20 years ago. The church is a, a mere flicker of what it was 20 or 30 years ago to, well, God's not what he was 30 years ago. And of course, that is that is both, that is actually blasphemous at the end of the day to feel that, isn't it? It is, it is, yeah. Um, I don't think it takes that many people to be pillars of faith. And you can't do it all the time. Be a pillar of faith when it needs to be so that when you're grumbling, somebody else will drag you out of that. Um, to to for the whole community to move on in a positive way yeah all people of god um and the whole broader community as well because i don't think jesus ever saw the world divided into christians and non-christians did he, he saw no, no. and you know the i think you know the, the one of the points that i kind of take out the whole story is just how wonderful god's provision is um and you know i've experienced in my own life the times when god has provided um and a lot of time when God has kind of provided, it has been at a point where I've been uh, both struggling in something, but also really seeking after God for something, as you know, in terms of just trying to grow and develop in my Christian life. Because um, I think sometimes God provides stuff and we don't always see it. No. And you need to be in a certain place to be able to see what God's provided. Um, because the, I guess certainly with the quail, because quail was quite a, a you know it was a bird that kind of migrated across that area. Um, the people of Israel could have just seen it as a coincidence, but yeah. they didn't. They did see it as a miracle because God said He would provide it, and He provided it daily. And so uh, let's think about some questions for people to reflect on. Okay. Um, and so let's go a little bit further. So we're going to give you some questions to think about now, uh, either individually, individually to reflect on or to discuss in your missional communities. And it is always good to discuss these questions wider because you get a broader perspective and get a sense of what God might be saying to you. So uh, I'm going to go first. Um, so my first question is this. After seeing all the miracles that God did, why do you think that people were so quick to grumble? Just kind of reflect on that and what was going on in them. Put yourself in their place and just try and work out why did they forget all that God had done and then focus on their immediate circumstance. John, what questions would you like to ask? Um, well, Rob mentioned last week that his, uh, his, his, he was weaker at hearing from God than obeying it when he clearly heard. And I, and I knew you felt differently. Of course, those are two find it hard to hear from God, and then if we do hear from them, we find it hard to obey them. But, uh, but, but my question would be, how can we make sure that we're hearing from God on a daily basis and not just soaking up negative influences that allow us to be trapped in seeing our own problems? Good question. Good question. Okay, and your next one? Basically, then, we've touched on this. What is it that we can thank God for? If we were asked now to give 10 things that we could thank God for, where would we start? Good, yeah. And, 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 Try that at home and see how you feel at the end of that. I bet you feel closer to God at the end of that than you did at the beginning. Absolutely. Um, so uh, a couple of questions from me then. Um, are you looking back to the good old days of something, either church or your own spiritual walk with Jesus? Uh, or are you confidently moving into God's purposes for you today? 
if it's the former, what are you going to do to kind of shift your thinking? Uh, and the last question, uh, describe an area in which you are waiting for God's provision. And what does the story do to help you? So there's five questions. So, Joe, what did you say? That's a deep one there. The deep one, it is. It's yeah. a deep one, yeah. Yeah, we always like to throw in something that will uh, get people reflecting internally. John, it's been a delight to have you on this again. It's always good to, uh, to have a conversation with you. Uh, so hopefully you'll join us on Sunday and uh, join us again next Tuesday for another edition of Deeper. Until then, stay safe and goodbye. <laughs>